Welcome to the Debo and Photo Podcast. We are your hosts, Awa Mary, Dr. Nafi, and Anafai Badnar. We are here to engage, educate, and empower you. Today's episode is about domestic violence in the Gambia. With us today, we have an amazing guest called Jama Jack, who is a feminist and a communication specialist. First, we want to get into what is the definition of domestic violence. Domestic violence is a pattern of abusive behavior in any relationship, that means marriage or just a normal relationship that is used by one partner to gain or maintain control over another intimate partner. There are many types of abusive um, relationships when we talk about domestic violence. There's physical abuse, which includes any hitting or biting or slapping or choking or shoving or punching or pulling hair or cutting or pinching. That's all considered physical abuse. There's also sexual abuse, which occurs when the abuser coerces or attempts to coerce the victim into having sexual contact or sexual behavior without the victim's consent. And this can take form in marital rape, in attacking sexual body parts or physical violence that is followed by forcing sex. There's also emotional abuse, which involves intimidating or making your partner feel like their sense of self-worth or self-esteem is nothing without you. Emotional abuse also often takes um, form in name calling uh, or injuring your victim in, in the relationship. You also have economic abuse, which takes place when the abuser makes or tries to make the victim financially reliant. We also have psychological abuse, which involves the abuser invoking fear through intimidation or threatening to physically hurt himself, herself, or the victim, the children, or any pets, or the destruction of property. There's also threats, which is to hit or to injure or use a weapon as a form of psychological abuse. There's also stalking, which can involve following the victim, spying on the victim, watching the victim, harassing the victim, or just showing up to the victim's home or workplace. Then of course we have cyberbullying, which refers to online action or repeated emailing that inflicts emotional distress to the recipient. So my first question for you, um, Jama, is which one of these is the most common when we talk about domestic violence in the Gambia? Thank you very much, Anna, and thank you um, for having me on this podcast. I think this is a very important subject. Now, when we get this question, usually it's difficult to answer um, simply because we do not have the data to fall back on and say this is the most common form of domestic violence or gender-based violence in the Gambia. Um, what we do know that uh, is that there are manifestations of all of these different forms of domestic violence or gender-based violence in the Gambia. Um, the data we have specifically leans towards um, sexual violence that also includes you know, female genital mutilation, child marriages, because they have to do with the sexual and reproductive health and rights of girls and women. Um, and so with FGM, you have more than 75% of women, 15 to 49 years old, who have undergone FGM. And with child marriages, you have um, 30% of girls who are married off by the time they turn 18 or before they turn 18. And you have 20% who are married off before they turn 15. 
So um, you, you see that as a, as a huge manifestation of violence in Gambia. But we do know also that, you know, there's a lot of sexual violence in the country. What we do not have is accurate data on um, the prevalence of these cases. What we usually go with is global um, indicators which show one in three. So that's 30 percent, again, of women who experience sexual violence. And usually it's done by people they know. And this really demystifies the idea that sexual violence is done by, you know, an unknown man on the streets or, you know, somebody that just jumps on you from the dark. So um, that's basically what we do have. We don't have statistics that tell us um, Mm. what the figures are or give us a clear picture on, you know, the prevalence of um, cases for all of these different forms of violence. But we do know that all of them occur in the Gambia the ones we have data for and can rely on our female genital mutilation and child marriages. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of, a lot of data and just a lot of information to swallow. So you, as you um, were talking, I was just thinking it would, I would like to hear from your um, point of view or maybe from your experience, give me a scenario where let's say, you know, um, you know, a woman, a married woman comes to you and says, you know, Jama, I'm being abused. What would you do? What would your organization or, you know, organizations on the ground in the Gambia, what would they do? So the first thing for us is, um, so we have this thing about believe victims, believe survivors. Mm. So when they come to you, um, in the first instance, they're coming to you because they trust you. Not everybody um, is able to come out and say, this is what has happened to me. Not everybody has the strength or the ability. And some of them are really just afraid, you know. So when they come to you, the first thing is to assure them that you believe them. You believe what they are telling you. You believe their story and that you're there to listen. So one of the things that you do is active listening. So you give that person all of your time and you allow them to tell you what they want to tell you you know, without trying to poke stories, um, poke holes into their story or trying to get them to share information that they're not ready to share in that moment. So it's basically about creating a safe space where that person feels like, okay, I will not be harmed in this space. I will not be judged. I will not be blamed for what has happened to me. Um, The other thing is, depending on what organization it is, um, there are different capabilities and capacities. to provide um, support if they do need medical attention for example if you are in a position to um, provide that support you do that if they need counseling um, psychosocial support and you're able to do that you do that if you they need um, support with regards um, getting justice through the courts for example you do that otherwise what you do is you refer to the organizations that are able to do that the other thing is maybe to help them support, uh, well, to support them to report their cases to the police stations, which is what should have happened in the first place. But it doesn't happen for um, a number of reasons, including the very hostile environment that they sometimes have to confront when they go to the police stations, where, you know, police officers themselves might not believe them or they could ask them questions that just re-traumatize them or have them feeling like, you know, I'm responsible for what has happened to me. So with our organizations, it's really about providing the support we can uh, with the resources we have or um, referring them to other organizations that are able to help or in other cases um, to public institutions that are able to step in and provide the support. Hey, um, so Nafi, I'm just going to ask you a quick question, right? 
Give sure. me, give me, give me a story in Gambia because we all know, we all know either it's affected you yourself or you have family members or you have uh, friends that have gone through some sort of um, domestic violence or gender-based violence. Can you give me some examples? Because right. I'd just yeah. like to hear from, you know, everyone and their, you know, some of the stories that they want to share. Thanks, Alamari. Um, so thanks, Gemma, for coming. You know, uh, we're really glad to have you on board. Um, this is uh, definitely one of the harder topics I think that we have tackled because it is widely practiced, not just, you know, in Gambia, but worldwide. And so in Gambia, uh, particularly, it's, um, it's, it's pretty saddening because we, we, it's, a, it's an acceptable behavior and practice almost where, you know, a lot of us, or I would say every single person knows somebody who has been abused um, uh, in our families, you know, our friend circles. And for me, particularly, I remember um, the first time I ever heard of such a thing as domestic violence. It was a story that my um, grandma was actually telling us in that when she was younger, one of her neighbors was beaten by her husband so badly that her eyeball popped out. And wow. so... Yeah, her physical eyeball popped out of the socket. And so they had to push it back in and they put uh, meat, fresh meat, like uncooked meat on top yeah. of it. Apparently that's the way to treat it because if you put that on top of it, it'll help the eye go back in. I was out wow. as a child and they were just discussing it as if, oh, it's normal because every neighbor has been beaten by their husband. So it's a normal practice. And so my, the, the, the saddest part about it was when I heard my grandmother saying that after that lady was beaten like that, and that was from her maybe um, being late to cook lunch, that her husband beat her that badly. And the sad part or the part that freaked me out the most was that she was sent back to her abuser after she ran away and went to get help for her eye. And then my grandmother, they helped, you know, push the eye in or whatever, you know, put meat on top of it. She had to go back home and face her abuser and live with him again. And that's the part that's just, for me, it's just unimaginable where in our society, it's okay where battered women are just sent back to their abusers and say, you know, oh, you know, it's all part of marriage. Oh, you know, in a marriage, this, these things happen and they shouldn't. So for me, it's the normalization of abuse in our culture mm -hmm. that we need to talk about, you know, because it's not normal. It is not normal. And we should not be okay with having somebody beat you up. And, 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 and maybe the story that I'm saying, the one that my grandmother told me, that's even maybe far away, right? But I want to bring it even closer than what my grandmother saw somewhere else. You know, if we're going to be honest, I have seen my uncles beat their wives. I've heard of my cousins, my first cousins, who are men who have beat their wives, you know, or beaten their wives. And so it is not just that, oh, you know, it's done in the villages. It's not just that, oh, it's done with people that are poor, that, you know, uh, um, when it comes to domestic violence, it happens in every socioeconomic class. It can happen with the richest families in Gambia. 
you know? And so it can happen in, in, in households where people, you know, both uh, the couples are, are, are educated because in this case, my cousins are educated. They've lived abroad. You know what I mean? But what I think it is, it's just the mentality of how in our society we have normalized these things. And so we, we, we see it happen. You know, how many people have, you know, how many of us have heard neighbors crying at night? I have. Mm-hmm. In, at night, we hear women are screaming, husbands are screaming, people are beating each other, right? But nobody says a word. So my thing on it or my take on it, and maybe Gemma, you can come in here and, and, you know, shed some light is that why is it that we, or should we, should the men folk say something? If you hear your neighbor's wife crying, if you know your, your neighbor is, is abusing his wife, or even your brother is abusing his wife, should that also be a responsibility of our men folk to speak up and maybe say something other than just not wanting to interfere and normalizing that behavior? What do you guys think, think about that? I, I think it's everyone's responsibility, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, you see something, you say something. You see something, you do something. Because somebody's being harmed. Your connection is a bit off. It, it should be us as human beings taking breath to protect somebody who's in a position where yes. they're powerless. So, um, can you get me now? <laughs> So I think it is everybody's responsibility um, to do something. We are human beings. And for me, that's what it is about. It's just human nature. We should act as human beings and protect somebody who is in a position where they're powerless, um, where they can't do anything to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. You ask a very interesting question around whether men shouldn't do something. And what we have seen is they do nothing. They actually do nothing. And for me, my, my basic explanation is that if they do something, then they're creating a space where mm-hmm. when they hit their wives or when they abuse the women in their lives, somebody else is going to stand up to them. So if they sit in their corners and they're quiet, they are continuing to create an environment where men can do whatever it is they want without being held accountable. So when men are quiet about their fellow men, we've seen it. I mean, you have men whose friends are accused of rape, whose friends are even convicted of rape, and they say nothing. And they're simply doing that. Their silence is basically to protect themselves. They also want their fellow men to protect them when their own victims come out with their stories. And so that is why we don't see a lot of men come out and condemn you know, these practices. They don't come out and you know, hold their fellow men accountable because some of them are also hiding um, things in their closet that they don't want for people to know. So for me, really, what I think is it's everyone's responsibility. We all can do something. And it's because we we sometimes are quiet and think, oh, that's none of my business. You know, it's their marriage. It's their family. I don't want to interfere. This is why these things continue to happen. And it's simply because it's an issue of power. It's Gambia. It's everywhere else. Anyone who has power over you, no matter how little, 
can use it over you, can use it to harm you. And it's even worse when they know that after harming you, they can still be free. They can still continue to do what they want to do, including continuing to harm you. So because everybody just turns the other way and the people who are bold enough, you know, who come out and speak about these things face a lot of hostility as well. Some people don't want to come out and speak up. Some people don't want to, you know, share solidarity or even show any support whatsoever towards victims because of, you know, Mm -hmm. the insults you get, um, the backlash you get from people. But we need to do more as a society. And for me, it's everybody's responsibility. If you are in a place where one person is being harmed, no matter how powerless you think you are, you should try to do something. And if you can't do anything, you should Absolutely. speak up and try to get I agree help with from you, Jama. And I think what just disgusts me the most in our culture is the fact that the older men who we call Kilifa, who we call our fathers, our uncles, our grandfathers, are the ones that are supposed to model positive masculinity so that the young men are able to look at that. So if you model good behavior for men who are younger than you, how to respect and love women, then they grow up seeing that and they're going to emulate that. Young boys and men are constantly being inundated with negative images of women, ideals of the inferiority of women, and negative conceptions of women due to female portrayal in the media. And for us in, in Gambia, it's not even the media. It's in your everyday life. Watching your, your dad talk to your mom mm-hmm. like she's a servant. Watching mm-hmm. your brother talk to your younger sister like she's not a human being or she doesn't have a mind of her own. Men start to need to start to speak up. They, they can no longer be allowed to stay quiet. I remember my sisters and I with our fire network did a PSA where we picked on a couple of men who are well-known in the community to do a video where they speak out about domestic violence in the Gambia. But I feel like that's not enough. Men have to hold other men accountable. And until that happens, it's like women trying to fight a fight where we're the victims. So the perpetrators need to be part of the conversation so that we can effect change. So we need to bring men to the table. We need to hold them accountable. And, you know, I also feel like when it comes to our cultures of, you know, when you're in a marriage, you get hit by your husband, your parents send you back home. It's mm-hmm. something that we need to address because it's been happening for decades. It's been happening for centuries and clearly it's not working in our favor. And now what I found when I was living in Gambia was I was working at Standard Chartered Bank and I'm not going to call anybody's name out. And I also worked at the U.S. Embassy while I was there. What I saw that was very disturbing was domestic violence in, in dating. So this is mm. not even in the stage where you're married. It's in the dating stage that they already start exerting aggressive and physical um, violence towards their partners. I spoke to several of my colleagues who talked about their boyfriend slapping them like it was a normal thing. I remember one of the girls telling me that the boyfriend slapped her inside her home where her parents were actually home at the time. And when the boyfriend left, The dad called the girl and said to the girl, if I were you, I would break off this relationship because if he has the audacity to slap you in the relationship, the dating phase, imagine what he's going to do once you're married. 
And my reaction was like, so that's all your dad had to say? Right. You mean your dad did not yoke up right. this nigga and headbutt him and right. beat his ass? Like, how dare you be- You hit my child in my home? So I feel like fathers, the people we call kilifas, the people we call the leaders in our community, the male leaders, you need to start speaking up. You have to do more than just sit back and watch and be quiet. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mary, what do you think? Oh, my goodness. No, as you, as you, yeah, totally. I can so totally relate because it, it brought to, um, brought about two stories. Um, the first one that I wanted to just share is that, you know, my dad, um, you know how they, 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 papale or is it by byale or something like that mm-hmm. where your you know your your dad would be the uncle and gives you away and all that so my cousin came one day hysterical swollen mm-hmm. eye crying my husband beat me da, 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 da. my dad i just remember it was a friday had on his haftan you know walked all the way to the house beat the crap out of the guy like literally we were all walking with him beat the crap and it's like I did not let you marry a punching bag I'm taking my my daughter back and that was my cousin and that was it that's it so you you saying that just you know you're right that's it you should just put a like put a stop to it he was like no there's no mon- there's no talk once he does that that's it he's going to do it again so might as well just leave and she had a she had a daughter but that was it like that just ended and I'm so glad you know you have parents like that that could stand up but then you kind of expect that you know um well I mean Dr. Nafi said something different now because you know my dad is an educated man so obviously you kind of expect that but now if we're talking about you know guys that are educated or men that are educated doing this Mm -hmm. thing then it's you know I mean this is a whole nother level now but I just wanted to just speak on um just one thing that you know, I just wanted to share that domestic violence obviously is everywhere. I mean, I've seen it in the United States. I have a cl- really close friend who's gone th- gone through it as well. So I know it's, I mean, this is American woman, not even a Gambian living there. So it's it's happening. Um, it's everywhere. But I think, you know, in the Gambia, because there are laws, but the laws are not being implemented to, um, you know, to really watch out for the women. They're not, they, they're there, but it's almost like they're just there but nobody's using them. So I wanted um, Gemma to just kind of share some of the, you know, policies that we have, laws that we have, and what do you think about them? And who's there enforcing it, if there's any? So when it comes to legislation um, to protect women and girls, um, in Gambia, and I focus on them because they, they're the majority of victims of um, gender-based violence. So we have laws. We have really nice laws. We have good laws. We have laws that um, fit into like international human rights law, international human rights principles. We have that on paper. But what obtains in reality is, is different. Um, and I don't think we even need to look far. Over the past year, we have seen some really high profile cases, for example, of sexual violence, but we have not seen persecution happen. We especially had one case where you had multiple girls, multiple young women come out and talk about this one person that did not just physically assault them, but also raped them, you know, and was mentally abusing them, emotionally abusing. So it was a whole lot of abuse. And you had different girls who were not related Mm. in any way at all 
come out and share their experiences with this person and nothing has been done. So when these stories happened, the guy was in the UK at the time, you know, and then we had the Ministry of Justice come out and say, oh, we're encouraging all victims to come out. You know, they mm-hmm. can reach out to us via these numbers and we will be able to support. And then there was nothing. The guy came into the Gambia for a holiday. He was posing with his friends, organizing parties up and down and left and went back to the UK and nothing happened. And for me, like mm-hmm. that is not the only case. It was a high profile case because this guy is a lawyer. So you can just imagine what kind of what kind of situation we live in. If you can have several girls come out and say, this is what happened to me. And the stories and experiences are similar. So it shows you this is a pattern that this person follows to keep victimizing people and still nothing is done. And this person can jet into the country and jet out again and nothing absolutely happens. Mm. We see all of these cases, even the cases that make it to court. I mean, we see cases where you have kids who are like two, three, five, they get raped and then the rapists get to court and they're given like two years, three years, five years, and that's it. They come back again. We, we know what Gambian prisons are like. It's not like any rehabilitation happens in there. They come out. They're free to do that to somebody else. And sometimes they don't even make it to court. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're not even sentenced. So people don't even get the justice that they need. They don't get the healing that they need. So when it comes to implementing laws in Gambia, we have a very, very, very long way to go. There are so many women mm-hmm. who are suffering, who are living with their stories inside of them and will probably never speak out about these stories because not only does the law not work for them not only does the system show we're not here for you we're not designed for you it's Mm -hmm. also a society that points its finger at you to say you were the one responsible what were you wearing you know what did you do what why were you there at this time so we find several different reasons to put the blame on the woman before we turn around and hold the person usually a man who has harmed them accountable so our laws are there they exist we have the legal frameworks but they're not really working for women and girls in this country and because that's happening most women wouldn't bother to report their cases because then you put yourself out there um, for that public scrutiny for all of the insults wow. and you still will not get it's, the justice it's, that it's made you tough. come out um, to share your I story I wanted to one place. of the things I wanted us to talk about mainly is um, why do we think that victims um, majority of women, why do we think that they stay in these relationships? I know that we have talked about this in um, one of our previous episodes where we say, you know, there's a lot at stake sometimes, uh, you know, culturally going on, why people decide to stay in these toxic relationships. Um, so I wanted to, uh, to, to maybe have you guys, you know, tell me what your thoughts were on that. Like why? Because for us, someone, for example, someone may sit or listen to this podcast and say, well, it's, it's, it's easy for you women to sit there and say, why don't you leave your husbands, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody can mm-hmm. say it to us. And so in order for this to be effective way of intervention, effective way of engaging each other, I think we need to first maybe find out why what is some of the what are some of the psychological reasoning behind why people are staying because there are people our age who know better are educated and they're still staying in such situations and so 
I think maybe is it because of financial status? Mm-hmm. Is Absolutely. it because you know marital status? Because in our community, we have held high the status of being married. So if a woman is not married, people look down on you, right? Mm-hmm. And so people would rather stay in that relationship than not be married. So the fact that they would say, well, at least I have a husband, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we'll tolerate things because they would want to stay married. Sometimes like uh, Gemma just said, and, and Anna also mentioned, you know, the financial abuse part of things, right? If you're mm-hmm. financially uh, dependent on this man, you don't want to leave, okay? I don't want to name names, but I have a cousin whose husband is emotionally abusive towards her. And when, when this conversation was had between us, she told me, well, you know, Nafi, I can't really leave him because if I leave him, he told me he's not going to pay for my kids to go to college. Can you imagine that? So she's staying in this relationship for the children because he has threatened her that financially, when you leave, then your kids don't get anything. But that's a whole different topic that we're going to talk about, about, you know, divorce and men not taking care of their children once they divorce in our culture. That's mm-hmm. a different story, right? That's not today. Yeah, but... Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but these are things happening where women are choosing to stay because financially they can't afford it. That's why it's really important when we all talk about financial independence, Man, when you're financially in- independent, there's a lot of crap you will not take. And that's the right. honest truth. That's right. True. A lot of the times. Oh, so sorry. Anna, were you going to come in and say something? Yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like over the many decades that we've been started studying domestic violence, all the research that's out there, all the legislation that's been put in place. For me, it's just, I ha- I'm a... I'm of a completely different mind frame because I feel like we all know why women stay. It's either mm-hmm. you're you're scared of increased danger to yourself and your children, or you fear retaliate retaliate retaliation mm-hmm. by your abuser, or or there's a lack of awareness of services, or there's mm-hmm. lack of financial resources, or mm-hmm. the list goes on. There's shame. There's religion. There's culture. There's denial of how serious the abuse is. There's lack of supportive networks and there's racial barriers. At the end of the day, my thing is, despite all of that, people continue to ask, why don't they just leave? And for me, it is time for us to change the dialogue. Instead Mm -hmm. of placing the burden on the victim to get Mm -hmm. out of an abusive relationship, it is time that we switch switch and shift the focus to the person responsible It's the abusive partner. Instead of asking why the victims will not leave, it's Mm -hmm. time we ask, why do people abuse and Mm -hmm. why is it allowed to continue? Again, we need to place the focus on the men. We Mm -hmm. need to place the focus on the abuser. We know the victim. We -hmm. know why they stay. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. It's it's a little bit emotional for me. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and... A blood relative, um, both my parents left for the U.S. And a blood relative 
was sleeping in our home. And she was dating someone you would call a semester because he lived in Germany and he came home for vacation. And we were all sleeping in the room together. And I remember a cousin of mine was also sleeping over and the boyfriend busted in the house. And I remember the watchman screaming, asking him, where are you going? What are you doing? And he was yelling, she stole my money. I, I brought my whatever, you know, foreign currency that he had. And she stole my money today. She's going to give me back my money. He busted the door open. He yanked her off of the bed and started slamming her into the wall. Mm -hmm. And we all ran into the bathroom and closed the door. And all we could hear was her screaming, and you're thinking, we can't see what's happening because at this point we've gathered all our siblings and we've locked ourselves in the bathroom. We can only imagine like, because we could hear the thumping. We can hear her being thrown against wall. We can hear her being kicked and punched. And the watchman was trying to stop this man, but he didn't have the physical strength by himself to stop the man. So he had to run back out in the street, get all the other watchmen, and they had to come at least four other men to peel this guy off of my relative. And mm. it traumatized me. It mm. traumatized me in a way where like now that I'm speaking about it, clearly I haven't gotten over it. And I'm just, mm-hmm. thinking, I wonder how she's impacted. I wonder what that trauma did to her. And she's the mm-hmm. one who went through it. So mm-hmm. I just feel like we could talk it to death, but we need to start putting the focus on the men. What is it? What trauma and what psychological issues are there? Jama, is there any study or data you guys have done that gives us an insight on the correlation between um, maybe mental health illness and abusers? Um, So not yet. Again, um, I think because especially when you talk mm-hmm. about mental health, that's something that still needs to be um, demystified in Gambia. Um, how we understand mental health um, and how we react to mental health challenges that people face. But that's changing now. There are organizations who are working on that and trying to find the relations between gender-based violence and um, mental health um, challenges that people face. But I mean, you need to really just look at the global picture and understand that the Gambia doesn't stand alone from what happens in other places. It's it's the same thing. Um, we see a lot of women who live with so much trauma. And for me, I think this is also the trauma that they just pass on to their daughters or to the fe- female children or to the um, the girls that they have in their care. And it is the same trauma that teaches them or that has them in a position where they're like, you know, I went through mm-hmm. this and I'm still here. You should also endure. You should also just moon. Um, so that's, that's, yep. I mean, sometimes you don't even get to your husband's mm-hmm. house. It's yep. where they're doing your moon. Yep. It's on your wedding day where they start to teach you all of these things. You know, right. so they may, I'm like, mm-hmm. he gets out of a job and we're going through financial, you know, challenges and we work together towards mm-hmm. that. Munako Munyal Mufe, but I can support him Absolutely. through that just like I would expect him to do for me. But 
I cannot mourn abuse. I cannot and Absolutely. I should not mourn, you know, violence, especially when children are involved. And it's really interesting we, we were talking about this why you stayed. So a few years ago, there was actually a very mm-hmm. important conversation mm. on Twitter. You go on there right now and you search hashtag why I stayed. There are so many testimonies, so many testimonies mm-hmm. from women from around the world who are just sharing the reasons why they stayed. And for a lot of us, it was also an, a, a moment right. of waking up because so many of us just ask you to them. Mm-hmm. She should just leave. Right. But leave, leaving is not that easy, especially not in a community like Gambia where there is so much stigma attached to divorce. But then that stigma is only tied to women. You see a man who can get divorced today and next week he's marrying another woman. And there's absolutely no problem with that. But when it is a woman that's divorced, you're looked at as damaged goods. You're looked at as someone that nobody else will want. Um, It's just a lot of stigma that's attached to women. And in a situation where somebody, Mm -hmm. well, I think Dr. Nafi mentioned it, your your worth is tied to whether you're married or not. So you can mm-hmm. be everything as a woman. You can be as successful mm-hmm. as the most successful person in the world. But if you are not married, if you do not have that Mrs. title tied to your name, you are not worth anything in our society. And it even plays out in your family. It's about what kind of respect you are given mm-hmm. um, in, in, in comparison to people who are married, even if those people are suffering in their marriages. You know, so parents are, I, I feel like some parents are even happier with their daughter's death mm-hmm. but it's being brought to them than having their daughters come back and say, I am divorced. I have come back to live right. in the house. And because women don't have that support, they know when you have kids, it becomes even more complicated. If you are not involved in any economic activity, you don't have an income of your own. It's even more complicated because then you have to stop and think, how do I take care of myself? How do I take care of my children? Will my parents accept me Mm -hmm. back home? The ones who even accept you back home find a way to always remind you every single day that you shouldn't be in that house. Mm So these are all the things that we hear. But I mean, there was also the uh, the, the, the discussion discussion around, you know, economic empowerment. And if I am economically Mm -hmm. independent, you know, I can leave. But, you know, it it doesn't always play out that way. I mean, in Gambia, we mm-hmm. know about really successful women and successful mm-hmm. in their own right, not because they're married to rich men who are still staying in their marriages, even though these marriages are abusive, mm-hmm. even though their, their husbands are out playing, you know, and probably bringing in STIs into the home. They're still there and they have the money to leave. They have the financial ability to leave, but they still do not leave. And so it really comes down to mm-hmm. just our general idea of women. What value do we mm-hmm. attach to women in this country? What makes you a good woman in the eyes of society? Mm-hmm. And it, it's just that institution of marriage. And then a lot of them also think about mm. their children. You know, apparently, yep. <laughs> it's it what we say in those situations exactly. that's not the And I am always like, that's, that's bullshit. You can't tell me that, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> you can't tell me that. There's, there's so many kids here who are doing Absolutely. so well and their parents and their mothers did not have to take this nonsense so that but that is what women mm. believe and it's not something that happens when they're married it's something you're taught right from when you're a kid 
you know, you have girls, as mm-hmm. soon as you're born, you start to be prepared for marriage. Mm-hmm. It's in the dolls they buy you to start taking care of. Sangal Domitubabe, you know, Solalko, Letako. It's all those domestic things that they're teaching mm-hmm. you. So in the end, if you do not have, so I think Anna spoke about positive representation, you know, mm-hmm. for for men and for boys. But we also need that positive representation for girls to allow them to break away from the belief that my role mm-hmm. is only limited to how much I can serve a man. This is what my value is limited to. If people are able to see a different reality, if they're able to see a different mm-hmm. representation of what their value and their worth is, I think we can break away from it because then the learning will be happening at, in, I mean, on both sides. The boys are learning better how to be human simply because mm-hmm. that's what it is. But then the girls are also understanding not to attach their worth to a man, not to attach their value to having a man or to having close proximity with a man before you now mm-hmm. believe yourself to have arrived to say man jigen la jigen bumutla you understand we mm-hmm. need to teach people it is okay to net, not get married it is okay to not want to get married it is okay to leave your marriage even if there's mm-hmm. no abuse if you're not happy in your marriage it is okay to get up and leave but that is the conversation that's not happening that is the the struggle that women have to deal with and so for a lot of them it's like let me just stay mm-hmm. but then it's it's also tied to the emotional abuse because mm-hmm. your husband could be abusing you and making you feel like you are the reason why it's happening some of them could be abusing you and making you feel like it is love mm. we had the many stories in gambia wow. where girls tell you suma farbis madorut mo minna nabutma you understand we've heard we've heard those stories if my boyfriend or my partner doesn't hit me then that means they don't love me mm-hmm. enough you know so women internalize this and they believe it so when they hit you you see that as love because that is what you have been taught so it's going to be difficult to move away from that situation if you don't see it for what it is which is a harmful absolutely i just wanted to, to jump in um before i lose this thought because i am one of those women um who was in an unhappy marriage and i left and i know a lot of people don't have that support system or that privilege to say I'm not happy hmm. in my marriage so I'm just going to leave. I was in batter. I was in emotionally abused, but I had a very crazy situation with monsters in law and I was just like I don't I don't see myself living like this for the rest of my life and I had a daughter and I consulted both <laughs> my parents and I was like, "Eh, this is not working out." And they were like, "Great. If it's not working out for you and you feel like you want to leave, then my dear the decision and the choice is yours and i get that that is not something that every african girl is afforded that that luxury to say first your parents support you secondly you are strong enough to say i'm walking out um but i feel like that's what we need to normalize parents need to be able to listen to their children support mm-hmm. them in their decisions and trust them hamgaling mm-hmm. dewa severity of what's happening because most of these women are being raped in their marriages most of these women are being forced to do things that are ungodly like mm-hmm. being sodomized by their husbands because some of these men themselves are not well. They're yes. not okay. Absolutely. But I, I just feel like 
you know, we also yep. need to mm-hmm. focus. And I'm glad, Gemma, you had talked about how in your organization, it's not that you've given up hope on the older women. It's just that you're focusing on the younger women. So mm-hmm. in talking about focusing on the younger women and getting them to have a new mindset that being abused does not equate love, that if you're unhappy, you should find a way to leave. Maybe um, if, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. you could share with us some of the signs um that we should share with young women that you know you're being bullied or you're being threatened or you're in an unhealthy relationship. Like, that's not, like, you shouldn't be scared of your boyfriend. Mm-hmm. If, I don't know if you have a list, you know, mm-hmm. of, of things that you could share so we can enlighten these young girls that are listening that if you're going through, maybe your husband or your boyfriend is always accusing you of, you know, having an affair or always telling you that you're lying or I'm not sure what you have. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think there's so many different um, signs or red flags and it really depends on, you know, the relationship and the person that's doing this. Again, I think it's important we situate it within a conversation on power. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's really what it comes back to. It's about who has power over you. So your boyfriend knows this. I mean, in, at the beginning, we talk, talked about the different forms of abuse. And sometimes what you realize, it starts with the emotional abuse. Because they need to break you down to a point where mm-hmm. you wouldn't even understand what they are doing to you. Mm-hmm. So it's comments on your body, mm-hmm. on your appearance, for mm-hmm. example. Your young star the doof. Your young nyau. You understand? They just they just break you down to a point where you you are no longer confident. You understand? You don't go opal. So these are comments mm-hmm. that they make in passing. You don't sometimes pay too mm-hmm. much attention to it, but deep down you know it is it is something you are internalizing. You mm-hmm. stand in front of the mirror and you're thinking, this is the person I'm in a relationship with. This is the person I love and who I think loves me back. If they are seeing me mm-hmm. in this way, how are other people seeing me? Does it mean I am ugly? You understand? Sometimes it's comments about your hair and how it looks, you know, and they do that. They do it gradually. They break you down, you know, to a point where you're no longer confident. And when you lose that confidence, you you find it difficult to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Another thing they can do is to try to isolate you from your friends and your support network. Right. So they, they pull you away. They try to tell you this friend is not good for you. This friend is not is not, you know, OK, this is not somebody you should be friends with. And it happens even in Gambian culture. When a woman is getting married, that's mm. what we say. This is something that we teach women who are getting married. And then you are isolated from the people that you can actually go talk to who can speak sense into you and say this is wrong. You need to get out. We need to help you. And they should be able to help you. But you can't do that because you have been isolated from them. You have been pushed to a situation where your partner is the only person you have in your close circle. That's the only person you can talk to. And Mm -hmm. that's the person who's abusing you. So that's one of the things they do as well. Another Mm -hmm. thing is to just try and um, they they gaslight you. So they do things to you and then they turn it around and make it seem like you are the one who caused the problem, right? So they hit you and it's like, No, it is not because of what you said. It's because they have the power to beat you in that moment. They have the power to harm you in that moment. And So they do stuff like that. You have some who actually even you know, they threaten to kill you. 
dang ne dof dof lo li soko defe dina la li you know and then you show signs of oh this is wrong and they come back and say hang on a moment mola musa so it, it's a whole process before they even get to the point where they mm. hit you right dating you yeah. from people That's... and you can't do anything whatsoever all you do is sit mm-hmm. and take it and they you know it's why i'm checking the connection is a bit off mm-hmm. yeah jama the connection is a bit the connection is a bit off yeah can't hear you very well are you yeah. hello jama just yeah she's probably getting at but i just wanted to um pick on like what she said and i thought you know really you know it really hit home for me because i think both her and anafi you, you all literally speak um spoke on it a little bit and 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 it's because you know at the age of 15 i was dating i was in i was at gambia high school i was dating this guy and um you know everything was great like it was a popular guy everybody wanted him whatever so we ended up dating um but you know he started abusing me like physically abusing me and um you know it happened like maybe three four times overall but it happened and i just remember you know one day being at his house like two incidents that i really it stuck with me till now um even though it's something that you know i don't sit down and um you know kind of rethink or kind of relive um because i think i was young enough so it's something that i've kind of processed and going into college really helped me to deal with that trauma um but i remember one time you know we was we were talking at um his house at the veranda and i literally just remembered a knock a blow on my nose and blood literally blood everywhere in my nose um um you know dripping on my face yeah. and then i turned around and he said see what you make me do and that for me stuck with me for a very long time another incident is like we riding in a car back in the day so i lived at, um i lived in uh, canifing south and you know i don't know if you guys remember like canifing estates like the houses were being built like it was like um it was like i don't know it was like a bush <laughs> literally it was like trees all over and you might see one house and so on it wasn't like what it is now but anyway when they were building those estates we were driving he was driving through um and i was in the front seat and i don't know whatever we arguing about i mean remember like i'm still i think at that time i was 16 because we were into the relationship for a year and he was hitting me and i just remember hitting my head he was blowing knocking my head until like it was i i had like little um you know i don't know baseball lumps all, all around my head and i opened the car and rolled out um no. I rolled out and that's the only way I could I could leave because I was like what the hell is going on so I rolled out and then this stranger there was this older man who ran to me and said yo ki sohorna de ki kanla and I think he looked at me being so young he was mm-hmm. like you know who's your mom is your dad I was like oh no 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 it's fine and I ran to my mom's office obviously um that was that was the first time I I told my mom like okay this is what just happened but it's like if you tell your dad he's dead literally and so obviously i had to cover it up i said you know i fell like me and my fault but those are two big instances like i remember him putting his hands on me and putting it the entire blame right back 
you know, um, to myself. And, you know, that's something that in the Gambia, like schools, nobody's taught that, like, that's wrong. Nobody's supposed to touch you. And then, you know, like I mentioned before, you know, my dad will go and break off, you know, relationships. And, you know, he, people knew him of that. You come in and complain, your husband did that, did what? Okay, you Uh let's go, I'll pack you out. And so that's the only time I saw that. Aside from that, people just kind of, it was, it was okay. Like your husband beat you. Okay. You know, so it wasn't until I went to the U.S. I um, attended, you know, a freshman uh, class where we're talking about abuse, you know, what to look out, rape and all that. So, you know, they know at that time, maybe sex, um, you'll start having sexual encounters and, and so on. So they're trying to get you ready. That's the time they give you the free condoms and all that, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so they were talking about like abuse. If the guys, you know, if, they, if you say no, the guy's supposed to stop and all these things, you know, teaching you ahead of time. And, you know, I remember having those conversations with the lady and just saying, these are the things that happened to me. And I was like, oh, my God, then I guess I was really literally I was abused. huh? Because, (laughs) I mean, how can I not know that? I guess I don't know. But, you know, when I sit down sometimes and really think about it, and I think that's why, even though I don't think it affected me heavy, it, it did, because I don't let anybody control me. I'm telling you, not my parents, not my kids, not my husband, not even my friends. Like, if you tell me what to do, I can't Uh stand you. Like, I literally cannot stand you. Just tell me, just control one thing of me. Uh And it's like, you just, you know, you you turn me off. Like, Uh literally, like, you know how you have friends and friends are like, don't be friends with this one. I'm like, Uh you can't tell me what to do. Uh You can't tell me what to do. Like, I don't want anybody telling me what to Uh do. And I think it affected me in that level. Because sometimes I'm like, why am I like this so much? Because sometimes it's necessary, like, okay, I'm just giving you my, you know, my opinion. And I'm like, thank you, but don't control me. Like, I don't, I don't need that. Like, I'm a grown woman. I know what I'm doing. And I think it's something, especially with these young girls, because like, like I mentioned, I'm 15, 16. These young girls that are going through, and, and I think you said, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I guess my boyfriend because <laughs> Because I'm like, I get the money, but I get serious right now. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I have to say, it. I have to put some humor right, in here because right. I'm like, why would you think that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like that, it, it, you know, loves you? And then I have um, wow. just a real quick point that I wanted to share too. I have this, um, you know, a friend of mine was dating this guy in the United States and was like, you know, gave, uh, gave her an Apple Watch to control every time the move you know what time you coming in what time did you say you were here again Mm. you know they put the tracker now they give you an iphone they'll put the tracker but you said you were in you know uh i don't know saracunda but Mm -hmm. i see you right here you're in lemon like what are you doing in lemon like you know Mm -hmm. so this is like going into you know over and beyond like you know what's happening i mean this is just insane some of the things that are happening and and to be fair too i've seen where it's you know another way around where the women are kind of cuckoo and doing the same to guys um but today i'm not focused about that i'm focused about women you know and 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 men being abusive and so i think i'm saying all that to say that you know what Gemma is doing in her organization is really good and for me and my organization even though we don't handle you know um uh, sexual based violence and and so on 
um, heavily. I think what we want to do now, we're starting, I think, next in the next couple of weeks, we have an event. But we want to start partnering to create these safe spaces so women can come talk about it. Because like Gemma said, everything that she does is her own resources that she wants to do. I'm doing the same thing. And I'm sure I'm sure others on the ground are doing the same thing. So cumulatively, how can we all come together to create resources and 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 for these girls and women and for me and my girls especially when it comes to leadership i teach them self love because mm-hmm. you know if how can you how can you know what you want and what you're going to expect if you don't know you know how much love you have for yourself right um because if you're only depending on a man telling you that they love you and that's the value on your self worth then definitely you're going to be abuse for a very long time so i'd like to hear from Gemma. like what are some of the things that you think based on conversations that i just had that you want to spill um you know uh on the podcast um, um so i don't know if you can hear can, me well i said what are some that? of the things that you want to share especially when it comes to like yeah i, I mentioned the organizations um you know everybody's bringing their own resources i am you are what are some of the things that we can do cumulatively um, within the, the Gambia and within, um, you know, our own ecosystem? What are some of the uh, organizations can come together to teach some of these young girls to self-love, but also to go deeper and provide, um, you know, the, the amount of resources that the women need? I think... Um... We, we say this all the time. We can move further if we work together. Um, and I think sometimes mm-hmm. there's there's a whole lot of duplication of efforts where we're still, all of us working in the same area. You get to a point where you realize it's the same group of girls that we're working with. And that doesn't mm-hmm. really do much for mm-hmm. the country um, because it means there are so many others who are being excluded or who are not. Oh man, we just basically around how we can build synergies, and so this would be ma- really mainly bad. based on what our yeah, strength. Connect- and so it's about how we come. <laughs> can you hear me now? Um. Yeah. You, Hello. Yeah, it was coming back a little bit. I know the internet connection in Gambia is kind of poor, so yeah. 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 Is it yeah, back yeah, I can now? <laughs> Yeah, so for me, I think it's it's about building synergies based on what our strengths and weaknesses are. The, one of the biggest challenges we have is financial resources to be able to do the work we need to do. And so this means that um, our work is limited, the results are limited, the impact is limited. But if we can come together and you have organizations that probably have easier access to finance, um, you have organizations who have the experience, you have organizations who have the networks within the communities. When we do come together um, and um, design programs that ensure our responses are holistic, um, but that we're reaching as many people as possible, I think that will make mm-hmm. the difference because we, we all have different experiences. Um, we all have different ways of working as well. But for me, it's always about remembering who this work is being done for. And sometimes we think about the woman out there, but sometimes it's, it's about us as well. You know, some of us have a stories that we're not even talking about. So it's about how we can mm-hmm. all come together. So we have, a, we have a space where everyone just feels safe and they know when I come in here, when I talk to these people, I can get support. 
but I can get the support that I am looking for, not just the support that the organizations feel is right for me, because that's also a, a mm-hmm. challenge that we face where we feel like we have the answers to everyone's problems and you're providing solutions that the person doesn't even want or need in that moment. So there needs to be a lot more collaboration. There needs to be a lot more mm-hmm. partnership where we also learn from one another and learning is not just, just about best practices. We're also learning from the mistakes that other people have made. So we don't repeat those mistakes and waste resources um, doing things that will not get us great results. So yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, that will change as well. And it's mm-hmm. happening because especially with the youth organizations, um, we all know one another. We're building partnerships outside of Banjul and Sarakunda and Kanifing as well, because a lot of the work is focused around these ends. So it's how do we make our work more inclusive so that girls in rural areas can also benefit from the work that's happening but it's done in a way where they are taking the lead in their communities and we are basically just supporting in the ways that we can and then the movement mm-hmm. goes forward. Um, just one more quick question before I forget it um, before Nafi comes in mm-hmm. what do you th- what have you seen on the ground in terms of education for men or for boys mm-hmm. nothing, nothing. <laughs> okay okay <laughs> Not not a lot. I remember because I think young women, we have our girls mentorship program and we usually have a lot of guys come to us and say, why don't you have one for boys? And our response is always, why don't you mm-hmm. set it up? We don't have the resources. We're doing what we can for girls. Why don't you as men come together and do mm-hmm. something for boys? But even that thought scares me because sometimes I'm like, we tell these men this. What exactly are they going to teach these boys when they're the same men who are violent mm-hmm. and abusive and, 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 right. and you understand? But I don't think I don't think a lot is being done. And I think it really needs to start from mm-hmm. the home. Anna mentioned this at the beginning. It's it's what examples mm-hmm. they Absolutely. see at home mm-hmm. that they believe that they believe Absolutely. to be right and correct. So if you have a father or a father figure who is doing this and you're being taught that it is right, then that's what you grow up with. You know, so for me, I think everything really mm-hmm. starts from the home. Our socialization happens in the home. We spend time in the schools, yes. But our education system is really not designed mm-hmm. for things like that. We go, we learn the ABCs and that's it. Everything else that has to do with life skills and how you survive and, you know, just respect for people and human rights in general, it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. So um, I think, yeah, we, we need that. We need Good. that. Um, we need the men who can be considered positive role models, you know, to come forward and, and take that mm-hmm. up. You know, it's, it's not a burden that women have to bear. It's not a burden that feminists right. have to bear. It's not our responsibility to right, do that right. work. I, I was just curious, you know, if there's anything on the ground, um, mm-hmm. you know, because if we want things to change, if we want cycles to change, we, gotta, we have to do something with the boys. Right. I think a lot of what happens with boys is mainly sporting yes. activities. And right. at some point they were trying to use, so you have these football, yes. volleyball camps, you know, basketball camps. And at some point they were using them as a way to mm-hmm. just educate. But the ones I have seen were focused on back way, oh, blame mm-hmm. back way. It's dangerous. It's this, but it doesn't really I get see. into these issues. So maybe that's an opportunity, Good. you know, where they have these um, sporting events mm-hmm. and camps and activities. It's an opportunity to, you know, to bring up these topics and just have yes. conversations that get them to start thinking, mm-hmm. is this normal? We need to really have a mm-hmm. shift. Is there a phone number for your organization where somebody can reach out to you in case one of our listeners? was wanting to get some help, how can they get hold of you? 
So um, if you want help and you want immediate help, there's a national helpline that was launched this yeah. this year. It's toll free. It's 1313. So 1313. Um, you call the helpline. Um, you should be able to get help because I think it was set up by Tahawujigain. It's an initiative in partnership with UNFP in the Gambia and I think the Ministry of Women, Children and Social Welfare. So that's the national helpline. Um, but then for Think Young Women, you can get to us via um, phone on 266-2128 in Gambia. And we should be able oh, well, as lot, as... We're losing your connection, Gemma. Are you there? Hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay. Can, yeah, can I just you... got back. Can you repeat? Can you repeat the so last you, part, like your if, phone number you and stuff? To to you got caught woman, off for a um, second. It's two six six two one two eight. We're also on social media as Think Young Woman. If you reach out to us, we will be able to provide the support within our means, and if not, we can refer you um, to other places where you can get the support you need. Great. That's good. Good Thank to hear. You. And I, um, oh, sorry. Go, go ahead, Awa. Um, no, no, go ahead. I was just going to say not to, to just even share some of the other resources that you think so before the network, I just lose The network that. against gender-based violence right. um, is also, well, that's that's one point. But I mean, the, the point also is you can go to any police station. If you go to the major health facilities as well and report a case of domestic violence, it is linked to the network against gender-based violence. Um, they also on online on social media. Um, they have regional representation in these places I've mentioned. The police of um, the police stations usually have um, a gender and so agenda and child welfare unit or section where the person responsible is trained to actually deal with you know cases of violence and they're sensitive to some of the the, the trauma that people face. So the network is, is somewhere that people can go. But there's so many other different organizations. There's the Organization for Psychosocial Innovation, OPI, that provides um, psychosocial support and counseling to victims as well. And they can also be contacted for support. Good. Yeah. awesome. Yeah, we appreciate that. I just wanted to, before I, I lose my train of uh, thought, you know, just for sharing your story, our Mary, I just wanted to commend you for that. Because in, in, you know, in most cases, most of the time, things like this, we don't like to share in public, because sometimes of embarrassment, and even worse mm -hmm. cases, people use it against you. Once you're, you know, so I wanted to commend you, you know, for just coming out and saying that, um, based on the topic. And so we need to make sure when people share their stories like this, we use it for empowerment and not use it against them or try to gossip about it. So that's one of the things why I wanted to highlight just for, just for, for um, uh, sharing your story, that we need to make sure that we, we are, instead of shaming people who share or victims, we need to make sure that we're empowering these people. Because to be honest, one of the reasons why people will not come out and say that they are being abused is because people are going to talk about them, right? So people in the community will point fingers, you know, so most women wouldn't want people to be gossiping about them. So they keep this trauma or anything that they're going through at home, they keep it to themselves. 
And just the mere fact that this happened to you several years ago when you were a young girl, obviously, but just mm -hmm. the fact that you, you, you know, you were brave enough to share it. I just wanted to commend you on that and that we make sure that we're not normalizing these things. I know that Anna was also talking a little bit about we need to make sure we talk to our men folk about what is going on in those minds that mm -hmm. makes it okay for men to be acting this way. And I know, Gemma, you talked on it a little bit. Most of the time we see these things, right? So in psychology, when a child is growing up in a household, when you okay. see something, right? You emulate it. When you see something happening with your mom, your mom is accepting the abuse. She's tolerating the slaps, mm -hmm. right? So you as a young girl, is you're saying to yourself, well, my mom accepted it. So I guess it's an okay thing. And for the young boy, when he sees his dad slapping the mom, he thinks, well, my mom, my dad, my, my dad loves my mom. This is a relationship. So that's how it's supposed to be. If he's upset about something, it's okay for him to slap my mom. So there's two ways that boys can grow up uh, in, in this background. Mm. You can either do exactly what your dad did. People who, people who grow up in abusive households, they take one of two roads. W one, they become abusers themselves, right? Because that's what they see and they think that's the okay way to behave. Or two... They are so repulsed by it that when they get older, they're repelled. So they go to the extreme of they would never hit their wives or their children or anything like that because they hated how they felt as a child. So, mm -hmm. but in more studies have shown in, in, in research, studies have shown that more children tend to do what they see at home. So the boy who sees his dad hitting the mom more than likely will do the same thing. We'll grow up and all hit the mom and, 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 and the sisters. And sometimes, you know, Anna's wondering what's going on in their mind, right? We, we ask. And it, it's usually just, it could be that the person is depressed. Yeah, there's mental health issues, mental health issues that causes people to be unstable. But there's also this insecurity that sometimes mm -hmm. Let's speak on it, right? Yeah. Insecurities that people have. And what do you do? You, you, you take that and you, you project that on the people around you, closest to you. For example, we see basic things like control. Honey, if a man is controlling you, that is a small sign. Absolutely. The beginning of a sign. Mm -hmm. You know, we should stop saying, hey, <laughs> Run. <laughs> Don't play yourself. No, that's not love. Why are you wearing makeup? Why are you wearing? Mm -hmm. When a man does those types of behavior, watch out. Keep an eye out. So this is for the young girls that are starting to date. When, yeah. when your boyfriend is telling you, don't wear that shirt. It's too tight. Don't put that makeup on. Your hair is too this. Your outfit is too that. Be very mindful of those signs. Those are not signs of love. That's not a man loving you. That's a man trying to control you and control is a sign of abuse. Yep. So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about just so, you know, of signs of th things that we should watch out for. Like it all starts with a basic push. Somebody will push you and then they'll slap you and then they'll beat you, right? Like they're edging on and edging on. And, and we can't say this enough 
that the abusers will actually turn around and say, I love you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Right. Mm-hmm. Or they'll say, you made me do this. I didn't want to do it. I, I love you so much. So it's a cycle, right? We have to be mindful. Violence is a cycle, you know? So they'll go around, do something wrong and come back. New gender gift. They'll buy you an outfit. They'll buy you a phone. Say this. If you're lucky. Exactly. I love you. And then it happens again and then again and then again. So we need to be very mindful of these things. But most, most um, importantly, we need to not normalize it. So you say there's not a lot of resources in it. So you say there's not a lot of we have all these, you know, ministries and departments that women mm-hmm. yeah. ministry of like what women's like ministry of women affairs. Yeah. Right. How can we have that? And yet we don't have the resources in our society. We need to make it an important, an important issue. If we don't think it's an issue, it's not going to get addressed. And that's because we normalized it. So it's not an urgent matter where we're trying to dedicate money or resources to this issue. It is, we need to start thinking about it as an important issue. And, 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 and the thing is, unfortunately, it's not just in Gambia, right? Because if you think about it, um, my sisters and I were just talking about the honor killings that they have in Pakistan, right? Where you mm-hmm. kill girls because you're trying to honor the family or in your mind, they have um, made the fam. they've given a bad name to the family. So you kill them or in, in issue in, in cases where, you know, they do this acid attacks on and you know, where they disfigure their faces because, oh, you didn't mm. want to marry me or you talked back to me. So I'm going to pour acid on you. And, and now nobody's going to want to marry you again. Like these are happening throughout the world. And nine out of 10 in these communities, they have normalized these types of attacks and behaviors on women. And so that is mm-hmm. the biggest thing we, right? That's the biggest thing we need to address today that it should not be normalized. And, and, and we're going to sound like broken records, but we've said this before. Just because our grand, grandparents just because they have accepted it does not make it okay. Like abuse, violence is never okay just because it's normalized in our society, right? So go ahead, Anna. Do you have any other? Um... I was actually just gonna um, raise two quick points. Firstly, I'm glad that you brought in the kids because that's where I was gonna go next with it was the secondhand abuse. A lot mm-hmm. of the time, Um, what motivates women to leave is their children. And Mm. when it comes to infants who are in abusive homes, what you may realize or not realize is that they do not develop the appropriate attachments with their caretakers because they have what you call failure to thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And then when you deal with preschool children, you might notice that they regress developmentally. They suffer some sleep disturbances and they have nightmares. Well, of course you have nightmares if you're hearing at night, your dad is beating on your mom. And then for Mm -hmm. school age children, I know a lot of teachers typically are the first ones to notice because you'll find that they develop behavioral problems like they have depression, they have anxiety, they have violence towards their own peers, and they also have difficulty with authority. And of course, when we get to the adolescents, they have increased risk of repeating abusive behavior Mm -hmm. patterns. Um, in their in their dating relationships. And I just want to come back to the dating because I was seriously disturbed being in Gambia, the number of young girls 
who were in abusive relationships and it was so normal for them. Mm-hmm. And we need to, we, and I know um, with thinking Young Girls, you guys do target especially that demographic. But I feel like we need to do a lot more of, of, of um, desensitizing and making these topics something that is on radios and TVs on a weekly basis, something that we're talking about all the time. We cannot take on the attitude, ah, sonan in the digali, kid of kudur, kid of kudur, like it also is targeting the older women because when they have those attitudes, they pass it on to the younger women that are in the home. And Men who abuse, they're so smart. They're so clever. They're so charming. I know the most charming men, especially mm-hmm. Gambian men, that when you talk to their wives and they tell you the heinous behaviors they exhibit at home, you're going to be like, they did, they did. The first key, the for Bukernit, the for Jovial, the Dere, the Watan. Most of the men who are abusive, you will never be able to tell because when they socialize outside, it's almost like they have this Jekyll and Hyde personality where they're mm-hmm. very deceit, deceitful. So you would never be able to trace that they have any abusive behaviors. Mm-hmm. But Sulatawjigi <laughs> this is a good transition actually to to say it in wolof like you just eloquently did and then we'll say it in the local languages but you're definitely right because the thing is it's true you know if if we normalize it then the kids are going to do the same so I'm glad you spoke on it, Anna. Go ahead, girl. Yeah. So, Jama, what advices do you have? Like, if you want to say it in Wolof and English, you can. But what advice yeah. do you have for young girls listening, whether they hear abroad, wherever? Because sometimes, you know, some of these topics are just universal. Um, or, you know, for older women, like you say, you know, people that are married or not, like, you know, dating or, you know, what would what advice would you give like my 15 year old like when i was 15 you know that young girl cuz i'm sure there's lots of me's right now running mm-hmm. around gambia the first thing i would say is it's not your fault um it's not your fault that you're being abused it's not your fault that someone you trust and love is harming you 
Mm-hmm. And in most cases, there's really nothing you can do to prevent it. It's not about you. It's about that person and who they are and how they behave and what power they have over you in that time. So it's not your fault. Um, don't blame yourself. Don't take responsibility for it. And the other thing is that if you know it has happened, believe it has happened. Because sometimes you start to question yourself and like, did I imagine it? Did they really do this? You know, and you try to downplay it. Don't mm-hmm. do that. If they have abused you, they have abused you. And there are places that you can go to to get help. Don't be ashamed of seeking help. I know in Gambia, there's a lot of stigma attached to abuse, attached to, you know, women, especially who have faced abuse. But don't be ashamed to look for help because when you look for help, you're not just getting justice, but in most cases, you can be supported to heal from what you have also um, encountered. And so you're also breaking that trauma because it's trauma that you can easily pass on to your children. Mm-hmm. So you instead of nga talk watan aksadombi helal ko hamal ko ne mangfi kula def dara mangfi mun nga ñu waxak man yow da nga ne ka di teresa dombi mu am fatte xamne ne xale ñu ngi farantu we know these kids mm-hmm. are getting into relationships but we don't have that space where you know parents can talk to their children and have them understand you can always come to me and talk to me about anything and i will support you and i will stand with you so i think for mm-hmm. me it's those two things it's an older generation of women that need to understand yeah. that the world is changing a lot of the mm-hmm. young women are refused to den ko de wax legi so wa hen ni naka say yi tas dafa bari it's a lot of divorce and the mayors will say halay nango to new say it's not ne halay nango to new say it's that halay nango to new talk to say you have ne amun fa bane ñu ngi leni toroxal ñu ngi leni sonal ñu ngi leni ray sax ci sen bir say so that's really what it is a lot of young women are now you know moving away from it and they don't really care whether it's been just one month since they got married or two months or five years they get up mm-hmm. and they leave but we we keep talking about oh it's the women that are refusing to get married or who are refusing to stay in their marriages like we did and that is why the divorce rate is high but it is not so that changing situation is there and families need to be able to remain a safe space but when you talk about families remaining a safe space the fafeka family will munje kona neka safe space we talk about exactly. sexual violence for example a lot of the sexual violence stories we hear in gambia are kids who are molested in the home by their family members and nobody talks about it even when they know it is mm-hmm. happening so even our families even our homes are not safe spaces for a lot of girls every second girl you talk to every second person you talk to is someone who was molested when they were a kid in their home and some of them are still living with the people that did that to them mm-hmm. so sometimes it's difficult for people to come into these homes but for me what i would tell young girls because that's really what my focus is um to be honest it's believe in yourself and try as much as possible to not tie your worth to men try as much as possible to not tie your worth to relationships with men whether it is marriage or just you know dating as kids or as teenagers or even as young people know yourself know who you are you know be true to yourself be so confident in you ha- in who you are that if you get into a relationship it's really just an addition to your life but it is not what mm-hmm. makes your life it is not what defines you as a person you're already a whole person before anybody comes to you to become your boyfriend or your husband or whatever relationship you have with them but 
have a have a good one thing that has also been very important and that we teach the girls is to have a good network of sisters we we always talk about mm-hmm. how sisterhood saves us and this is true it is real you have sisters you know and i like to say have feminist sisters not just sisters that will tell you they are sisters say <laughs> you know have feminist sisters <laughs> right. who can tell you you know what we're coming to help you pack you're getting out of that you can come stay in my house until you find you know until you're able to clear your head and you're able to make your decisions and when they see you making decisions that could be harmful to you they could pull you back and remind you who you are because usually they are the ones who know you best they're the ones who can remind you who you are before or who you were before you get you got into any partnership with these men who just you know abuse you who try to break you down who kill your confidence so have a good support support network of women you know you can always fall back on who can always support you but if anything happens report 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 call 1313 mm-hmm. in gambia it's free of charge you mm-hmm. can call them they can provide support to you reach out to people you see who are vocal because they can also help to amplify your cases if that is what you want and if you don't want that public attention they can also help you um to reach out to people that can provide the support that you need so yeah it's it's a changing mm-hmm. world the generations are shifting mm-hmm. shifting and for me i'm really really happy to see that my generation of women are not accepting the things that my mother's generation my grandmother's generation accepted and as much as it may be difficult to just push and say i'm not doing this i'm not taking this you know we should just mm-hmm. fight we should continue to fight because that's how we will be able to change things and let men know that we're not accepting the nonsense that you know our parents accepted our grandparents i'm lucky to have a mother who never showed any of that she wasn't married in the first place so i grew up understanding that marriage doesn't make me and will never make me you understand but a lot of people don't have that they don't have that example you know of a woman who has grown on her own has become her own person and taken care of mm-hmm. her daughters as a single mother and done even better than other people that are sometimes deemed as successful in our society a lot of people don't have that though and so that is why you know those of us who have the privilege because sometimes it's really about privilege those of us who mm-hmm. have the privilege should be able to provide and you know provide that support but also just understand when people make decisions that are different from the decisions that we would make and understand that mm-hmm. we're coming from different places but it is true conversation and getting people to understand mm-hmm. things that they can actually stop and think and change their minds and uh, make hopefully better choices for themselves and um for their daughters and even their sons as well because they are also affected in a way absolutely absolutely this was really really i mean really good advice and great resources shared for sure thank you thank you for that um nafi uh, take us through the manding and then i'll come in with anyago jema is on a roll jema i'm going to have you roll on with the manding i know you speak manding i don't you don't i don't didn't you hear when i said i was doing the jago she said no i just said i think she said her mom is so she got the jago so maybe i'll do the jola today no i was i was going to do you like our marian say take it away cuz you know our mary she swore she did the jago and the jola one already No, that's all right. I'll do the jola. Nafi just take it away and then I'll do the jola for uh, sure. Um, today mama god, I got you. Yeah? Mbadi ngol. Bi wombe kacha munkela wolon ronko lafta laftale nal tolbe kacha about ika fomu yeko gender based violence mumbe na sate wokono. Ah womu munti wolonko komu musol muya lonko ibe batari la futu bungolto 
ibe butela nendi rol bije so laftanga wole kachano bi ka foko nyantale molngang hakilo tu musol muya lonko ibe futu bungoto alinka karafo musol yeko alimurung alieta si futu bungokono hanatara ibe busalaje ibe ibe nyaltela you know kungolbe sola alinka kara ni musol tata fa kumbota seita badingolia seita alfalia Alfal ntolfana nyanta leka kuwa nkafoke wale ko ibe munto amanke siloti. Alinka nafo doronko imamol sontala, imumol sontala. Sila mfutu wale betendoron tayeta munyarola. Alinka diyamu kia walfana yeye busa roni mbute roni nandirobula. Because wamanke fenti muya lonko nyanta kake nyotema. So bari ni because ni sontala, ni kafo musoye ko. Ha muru yeta sije, you know, anyanta futuo londorong. Woto dindingol mulbebe kuluka wa suwa kono. Dindingol kamba, dindingol sunkutu, dindingol. Ibe nyabe wakang, iba ajube la iba ifama be iba ama abusala. Iba ama fana mbe siring, abe wotala, abukasona na femfola woto. Wobe dindingol karandika muna wolonko, ni musunkutu dindingoti. Ni fana nsama siningo ikeba yata. Ifana nkafole yombatu mpana ngasidorong. Fonke mabe mbusala fabe nyate ila. Foka mkambano be ntulofadila. Yombatu ngata adron kanolo. Womanke kanoti. Momu ye kano. Abuke busa. Momu ye kano. Abuke neng. Abuke you know tajari ya kusifa dolkela. So alinka na song bitung mola ado ya fomole ko. Oketale puri wanyon kusifa liyeke mola. So na kachabi be abe nata omafangola mbe wole fola doronko muso dolbije ike wolke ike 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 fenke suwa kono ya foko yon teda panso dile labi. Wala niye tabiroke hani suwa tilo kandite madomandi keweye tulofadi keweye busa ayedate ifolo. Wobema nyana kake. Wobema nyana kake. Because ninga hakilotu mkila ye mumfo wolonko keomui mumbeti yata albeto wolon keomui yala muso otopotofu. So bitung alinka na foko abedabe fengkole kono. Haa muso yebute nyantale mbenga otanga mamole okeleno. Alinka na so wola. Womanke fembeteti. Bitung mbadi nkewol fanang. Kewol alsol fanang alseloma. Mbadi nkewol nina onkulol. Alfana yelo molma alie molma koi. Because nyinkelo tekeno la muso doronthati. Fodorong mbadi nkewol fanang yelo molma ye molma koi. Niaje. Modo ni aje ibari nkewo wala mumbe la suodala. Ni aje obala muso butela. Ifana ye kewo sambabu ayalo ndi kara kiringedi ya mwaye. Yafaye nyimanke fenti kekendo kamunke. Bari nimbadi nkewo lbebe deiring. Ngaje nyilbe kere nsate wakono mwobu kafo. Eh, kuwatebeti alade. So na kachabe munu wole tibi alinga nyo hakili yo amandi. Isaje ni musol natai bole roke. Mwolka karamari kuneng ngafaye muru ibota dameng. Alinka na oke because wo amambete ya. So nganyo empower. Alright ladies, I think I I did. Well, you you did a really good job. Really. You know how I'm here to be the hunger. Look, namala wa renga fresh nopsa. Because you're not getting English, but you know. Yeah. You gotta find out. You gotta. You gotta. You gotta brush it up. I know. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. Our Mary's gonna rectify me because Gemma. Of course. Maneko. Hamulo ni nyawa he gender based violence. Yanko donwa in English gender based. Something I don't know, but anyway, you did good. You did good. Um, you know, I think we covered a lot in Wolof, but I don't know if we 
you know, we want to say it again, but I think we kind of covered a lot in one off. What do you think? Yeah, we did. Anna. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. So maybe, maybe what we'll do, let's just do some last um, final things that we want to share. We'll start with our guests, obviously, Jama. Yeah. Please share anything that you think we haven't covered that you, you know, you feel like you want to share or if there's anything that you just... Um, in essence, just want to share with the public or the listeners, and um, we'll just go from there. I think there. We've, we've covered a whole lot. <laughs> we've covered a whole lot. Right. Um, it's it's been a lot of things that we have talked about. Um, for me, it's it's really important that we continue having these conversations, and that we try as much as possible to take them to as many places as possible because that's really where the change is happening. Because I remember, like five, ten years ago, for example. Mm-hmm. We weren't having these conversations on sexual violence as openly as we're doing today. You know, we weren't having the the work we're mm-hmm. doing on female genital mutilation, for example, where you go into communities and sit with them and have full conversations. It used to be really difficult mm-hmm. where, you know, the activists at the time would even get chased out of villages and communities simply because they mentioned these things. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's really about how we carry wow. forward that work. You were able to do this today because a lot of women made sacrifices in the past, you know, face violence, were sent to prison wow. simply for speaking up for the rights of women. So for us, now that we have, mm-hmm. we have this open space, especially because we also have social media as a platform, it is our responsibility to keep speaking mm-hmm. up. It is hard work. And I can tell you this from my own experience. You get antagonized. You get, you know, all sorts of negative labels placed on you by people who don't even know you and have never been spoken to you. But it is work that needs to happen. It is the sacrifice that we need to make so that our daughters don't have to do the same thing. And I like to use this example. My mother has spent Mm -hmm. all of her life working on women's rights across the Gambia. And today I am doing that same Mm -hmm. thing. And sometimes we meet in the same spaces. And the last thing I want is to have a daughter who will be in the same spaces as me fighting for these same things. So it is our responsibility Mm. to do the work we can now so that when we have daughters, they inherit a better environment, they inherit a better space, and their struggles would be more progressive than what we are dealing with right now. So we we must all keep speaking up. Mm -hmm. We can't afford to keep silent. Those of us who have platforms, those of us who have a voice that people listen to, um, those of us who can influence conversations and decisions, we should continue to speak up regardless of the pushback, regardless of the backlash, regardless of the negativity. If there's one thing I believe, I believe it will change. I don't know if I will be here for it, but I believe that we will get to a point where women will be fully liberated and they can live lives without fear of mm-hmm. violence from anyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. Absolutely. I think those were really good um, final comments and words um, for us to just um, live by. I um, I really appreciate that. Um, for me, I would say that, you know, having having you on, on the podcast today and just listening even to Anna and Nafi sharing some of the stories. I mean, Anna, I could I could hear from your voice mm-hmm. the you know, the shivers and what you're going through. And I'm literally picturing myself like, you know, locked in the bathroom and all that. Mm-hmm. And I know I shared my own horror story, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, all of this was really um, liberating for me to obviously have this type of platforms to share that. And it just um, reassured me that I'm doing the right thing by, you know, creating that safe space for women and 
and boosting young girls and their confidence and nurturing them to be the next generation of uh, women leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, but more so is that, you know, listening to Gemma um, talk about like all these legislature that we have policies and so on, but not being enforced, not being implemented. And um, I think uh, International Day of the Girl Child, we had um, at the Woman Boss, we had a dialogue, we set up a dialogue with UNICEF with some of, some of our girls and invited the Minister of Women Affairs and I think the National Assembly guy, I can't remember the guy who's actually, you know, in charge of women, um, women affairs. But, um, you know, I remember them quoting, you know, laws upon <laughs> laws upon laws. And I'm thinking all these laws are just there, but are they even enforced? Like, you know, so when you go back to them, and, you know, which I've, which I've had in my organization, we're going to meet with them to say, we need this. They're like, they'll quote you a policy, they'll quote you a law. But then that's it. That's all they can do. So how do we start enforcing these? How can the public start enforcing these? And I think, you, you know, having these conversations really brought up a good thing for me to have those type of conversation on the 22nd when I put my event together to see how can we start implementing these so the problem is not the laws the problem is not government per se right because you're saying that the laws are here mm-hmm. so how do we start enforcing them how can we you know as as a community you know make sure people know that it's here how can we even educate the police I don't know but there's got to be something that we can do so that we utilize what's already been passed. Um, and, and, you know, Gemma, you've gave some, you gave today very much examples, like high-profile cases, you know, things that are happening on the ground, and then nothing is, ha- you know, nothing will come out of it, like money. You know, you have money, they'll come pay you, like, you mm-hmm. know, blah, 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 you go on, then the next victim. And another thing, too, you, you, you mentioned, which made me think, do we even have a regis- registry of um, sexual um, predators in the Gambia? Which, you know, now, you, you know, like in the U.S., you can check if you have any in your neighborhood. Like, is there something like that we could even start developing? So we know who's, who, you know, who's, I guess, who's, who's, who's doing these rapes and who the rapists um, mm-hmm. are in our communities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, these conversations brought a lot of other things that I have questions on now. So I will be bombarding you with, you know, um, things that we can do. I think if we all come together, cumulative to to help women, because why I'm really invested um, or vested in this, it's be- not only because of what happened to me or what's happening on the ground, but, you know, I have all these, I came back and I have this organization to help women and I, I'm doing all this work, but then women are coming to me and saying, I'm molested. I'm being abused. Girls are coming to me as like, and I'm just like, what am I going to do? Like, I came in to do this work and now I'm getting shocked because, you know, you're bringing in issues that I have no idea where to start. And so I, I took it upon myself to make sure that, you know, to create the safe spaces, but I want to collaborate with women like you, Gemma, with other organizations to find synergies and try to do whatever's best for these women because, you know, heal women will heal other women, but I cannot, you know, do a lot of work with women that have lots of trauma. I cannot help them to be successful entrepreneurs if I don't fix some of the trauma that they're going through at home. I can try and give them all the resources, mm-hmm. you know, fi- fix them up with the mentor, give them even financial help. It will not help to not if they don't deal with the trauma that they, you know, um, budding 
um, right at home. So just wanted to share that. I know it was long, but Anna, you go ahead. <laughs> sure. Thanks, oh, Mary. Um, firstly, I just wanted to say thank you uh-huh. to our guest, Jama Jack. Um, our Fire Network um, this week actually published Gambian women blazing um, um, the trail in their respective fields. And of course, most unknown because given our culture of moving and celebrating in silence, we wanted to applaud these women mm-hmm. out loud and say bravo and thank you for your perseverance and for your tenacity. And Jama, you were on that list. So <laughs> I Yes. Um, So I am so honored to have the opportunity to work with you so early after doing that. It's almost like, you know, uh, we spoke, we put it out in the universe and look, (laughs) here you are today. And we're getting a chance to have a conversation on this podcast. (laughs) You're so, I can see why um, Mm. you were a part of that list and you continue to really just motivate and encourage young girls. And we, we applaud you for your work. Um, my, my comments as we wrap up is just to say that men have to be part of the conversation Mm -hmm. and we have to create conversations about what it really means to be a man with other men. We need to create and embrace and foster these communications and start campaigns and support groups to ensure that these conversations are happening where we hold men accountable and almost force them to come and see what's happening to these women at their hands. Um, And for the women, I just want to say, if you're being abused by a partner, you may feel confused or afraid or you're angry, or you might even feel trapped, but all those emotions are very normal responses to abuse. And You may also want to blame yourself for what's happening, but no matter what others might say, I just want to double down on what Jama said and remind women, you're never responsible for your partner's abusive actions. Mm -hmm. And for those of Mm -hmm. our young girls who are dating and they're in dating relationships where they're being abused, dating Mm -hmm. abuse is not caused by alcohol. It's not caused by drugs. It's Mm -hmm. not caused by stress or anger. It is always a choice to be abusive. So mm-hmm. if you're in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. while you're dating, get out of it now. It does not get better in the marriage. That's awesome. Thank Good advice. Well, my final take on it, you guys already like spoke up on it, you know, very, very great points. But just to piggyback on what um, Anna have said, um, we would definitely need to have our men folk be our ally in this struggle. We need men, more men to be activists as far as, you know, this domestic violence thing. Because sometimes it's a mindset thing. And in our culture, it's seen as just the woman's fight, right? The face of domestic violence only have women screaming, yelling. We need more of our menfolk to be our ally so that the change of domestic violence, the face of it changes. It's not just us women screaming and yelling, you know, wanting to be heard. And I think with the mindset, when we see that you don't have to be abused personally to become an ally. 
So everybody needs to be part of this. So we don't want it to look like, oh, only the people who have been abused in their lives are the ones screaming and yelling. You don't have to wait to be abused. We all know somebody, you know, family, friends. We all know somebody who's been affected. And so what we need to do is we need to change the mindset. We need to start collaborating together. And also we need to make sure we have safe spaces for some of these women, because like Gemma and, and, and our Mary just said, there's a lot of laws that are already written in the books, right? So we need to make sure to implement it. We need to have safe spaces. We need to have people that are discreet, people that are sensitive to these things, because if I were abused, I wouldn't want to go report it to a woman who is playing telephone and calling every and everybody telling them Nafi was abused. I wouldn't mm -hmm. want to go to that kind of resource. Mm -hmm. So we need to make sure we train our people that these types of things are very sensitive. When somebody comes in to see you, that's, that's one of the reasons why medically a lot of people don't go to the hospital. We've had an episode here where we talked about STIs. We talked about women are sick, but they don't go to the hospital, you know, especially mm -hmm. when you have issues down there in the vaginal area. It's an embarrassing thing, even in America, where there's a lot of discreet, you know, uh, um, dis uh, d discreet going on where your doctor wouldn't tell anybody. But in Gambia, we need to have that mindset in with our staff, whether you are a nurse, you're an oddly, you're a doctor. When somebody comes to the hospital to get treated, you don't need to worry about why they're there, what disease they got, just so that you mm -hmm. can call and tell the next person, that's the reason why yes. don't go get treated or get help in our society. And that includes uh, domestic violence. People will not go talk about it because the next thing you hear, it's going to be uh, the chara at the bantaba. Yeah. He's talking about it, right? And, yeah. And so this is an important thing that we need. We, we, when we talk about trying to fix it, the system, we need to have a safe space where people are trained, where to tell you something. You need to keep it on the wraps. Like I would never call out names of people who come to see me for, for treatment because that's ethically wrong. And it's mm -hmm. more morally, morally wrong too, you know, because that's going to deter people from coming to ask for my help. Because then they would say, Dr. You know, and you, you want to make sure you create a space. So I would make ex examples like, you know, I've seen women come in with, you know, different diseases just as a way of teaching. But I will never say, you know what I mean? Right. So we exactly. need to make sure we have that ethic when it comes to helping or creating resources. So that's mm -hmm. the part that I want us to work on. We don't want to have these resources, but if people are not feeling safe enough to come into these spaces, it's not going to be effective. But mm -hmm. one last thing that I want to leave everybody, because we are a community of, you know, Dean. I've talked about mm -hmm. this many times before. We always, always, always center our doings and everything, or we would like to emulate what the deen wants us to do. And so, you know, the Prophet ﷺ had said to his sahabas one time that the best among you are those who are best to their women. Mm -hmm. I, just, I just want that to digest for our men folk. Hello. 
Thank you. Hello. Well, thank you for that, uh, Dr. Nafi. I wanted to say Auntie Nafi, but <laughs> you know, but this was really a great episode. I've learned so much today, and I think I've had, you know, I've, I've put down some of the topics that, and even discussions that I would like to discuss in 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 greater detail um, at my event that I put on on the twenty second, but. This was really good. And thank you so much, Gemma, for being a part of this conversation, um, for taking time to be with us and listening to our, you know, uh, crazy stories and so on. Um, so I, I guess this was a good. Any other final? Or we thank good? you, Gemma. We appreciate it.